RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So yesterday afternoon, and that is when I became aware of this, you may have seen Sue Gray posting some thoughts on the imminent end, she described it, of the Pfizer-Vax provisional consent. Um, I'll ask her about that in just a moment. Also, admissions about myocarditis, pericarditis, health disabilities code, ACC, etc. So I thought it'd be a good idea to get Sue on this morning to talk about this. Sue Gray, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Paul. Thank you so much for inviting me on again. Yeah, good to have you. And okay, let's establish first, you're not giving legal advice. So maybe a bit of a disclaimer, just so we can tick all the boxes before we start talking. Yeah, thank you for that. Just general, my general um, views, having read the various documents. Okay, so let's start off with this provisional consent ending on the 3rd of November, which is only a few days away. First of all, what what's the history of this in this country, this provisional consent, just to to get um, our yeah. ducks lined up. Yeah, so the provisional consent was granted on the 3rd of February 2021, and it was originally granted for nine months. Um, soon after it was granted, we started asking, or I started asking some pretty pointed questions to the government because how can you approve a medicine when there are so many unknowns? And there were 58 conditions that the government or MedSafe weren't comfortable with that wanted, you know, more information about safety, effectiveness and everything else. So we ended up taking the government to court, taking MedSafe, the Minister of Health, I think it was, and I think it's even perhaps Prime Minister and some of the others. And the judge agreed with us that because there was only provisional consent, it could only be rolled out to a limited number of people and not to everybody in New Zealand over 16, which is what the government had planned. Right. But the very next day, the government changed the law and they removed the restriction on on provisional consent so it could be rolled out to any number of people. So it's been a pretty hotly debated topic from the very start. Then after the nine, well, they wouldn't give us any of the information that they received from MedSafe um, to satisfy the conditions. You know, what is the information about safety that you've got? What is the information about effectiveness of this vaccine? Does it prevent COVID? Well, of course, we knew it didn't, um, but the, the MedSafe wouldn't tell us that. Um, and then after the nine months when the first provisional consent rolled out, they extended it for another two years. And now, and then along the way, there have been various other formulations approved and that sort of thing. And for, for younger people, um, hotly debated, of course, because of the obvious less risk from COVID for younger people and, and real concerns about that. And, and obviously the risk of myocarditis has been increasing as we've gone. Um, but we know now that myocarditis was known in New Zealand after the vaccine since April 2021. So very, very soon after the, the original rollout. And they knew that myocarditis was a risk even before that, not from some of the other Pfizer documentation. So, you know, it's always been the, the thing that we don't talk about if you're sitting in the government shoes. Yeah. But anyway, it's all come to a head now. I think there's so much information. And they did a very weird Gazette notice, Chris James from MedSafe, just uh, last Friday, extending some of these um, Pfizer vaccine Cominati provisional consents just for a few days to the 3rd of November, and that sort of lined them up with some of the other formulation ones that ran out already on the 3rd of November. And it looks like the whole thing is over on the 3rd of November. 
Okay, so um, going back to when the law was changed and working up to now, um, you would think that they had some incredible new package of information that had them confident enough to change the law. Yeah, but what happened, the then Attorney General, David Parker, told his colleagues in Parliament that it was just a technical change. And I thought that was outrageous at the time. Um, they never had evidence to show it was safe and effective and they fudged their way through it. And for the Attorney General to tell his colleagues it was just a technical change to roll out a new medication that they had very little information about no long-term safety. We know from the Pfizer contracts, Clause 5.5, that Pfizer would not warrant its safety. Um, and yet the government told everybody in New Zealand it was safe and effective and then started to mandate people. It's an extraordinary history. I'm looking at a memo that uh, Kirsten Murphy has put up. I'm sure plenty of people have seen this. I think it's been kicking around for a while, but it's maybe uh, relevant to mention just now dated the 21st of July, 2021. It's to Ashley Bloomfield, Director General of Health from Dr. Ian Town, Chief Science Advisor. The highlighted piece I'm, um, I'm reading here from the context part of the email, point number three. Emerging data from countries such as United States and Israel indicate that there is risk of myocarditis and or pericarditis following Pfizer and Moderna mRNA COVID-19 vaccination. The risk appears to be higher following the second dose in males and in younger age groups. Now, they knew younger age groups were the least vulnerable to this, if at all, then. That's right. That's right. But, you know, when they sent that memo, we'd already had a New Zealand woman die from myocarditis in June 2021. And some of the key officials, including Michael Tetley, who runs the CALM register, had been part of writing a paper that got published eventually in the New England Journal of Medicine in July 2021. So they all knew about this, but the problem was they didn't tell the public. And uh, describe David Parker describing that as a technical change. That technical change could be responsible for a lot of destruction. Absolutely. Well, that technical change was the difference between the vaccine only being allowed to, as a provisional consent, only being given, allowed for a limited number of patients yeah. and the rollout to almost everybody in New Zealand and the mandating of it. I mean, I believe that there were multiple legal and ethical errors all the way through. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the critical, critical how, issues. How could you be so reckless? How could he be so reckless? Yeah, and how I mean, could, what's wrong with the man? And how could the other 119 in Parliament go along with him? How, how could nobody ask the question? Not a single one of them put their hand up and said, this is not okay. What are you doing? This is a new medicine. We've got no information hardly about its safety and effectiveness. COVID is not nearly as bad as, as originally was feared why on earth are you using New Zealand as a testing ground? It seems that some people, you know, grundoons, um, the, the workers behind the scenes were trying to say things. I mean, that memo is kind of an example of that. Um, but they weren't being listened to, were they? And mm -hmm. uh, you had um, not only politicians, but Ashley Bloomfield disregarding that as well. So there have been people in the background, obviously very uncomfortable, 
about what's been going on, but they haven't had a chance to to really get that out there. And that's been the problem all along. We've had so much evidence, so many red flags, but we've had nobody to tell because the people that are supposed to be protecting us against novel medicines haven't been doing their job. And they've invented all sorts of committees and advisory groups and this, that and everything else. And not a single one has been willing to step up and say, hey, enough, we're not doing this anymore. Well, up until now, perhaps, but, you know, we're now talking nearly three years later. Well, in fact, they're turning them into rock stars. There's a documentary about Susie Wiles now. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And, you know, um, talk about tone deaf, can't read the room. Uh, It it is. It's a tragedy. Um, It is a tragedy. (laughs) This date of November 3rd. So when you say say it's all over, what does that actually mean? Well, what the um, Gazette notice says is that is the end of the provisional consent for the Pfizer vaccine. Now, it's possible that they're going to pass some other approval. Um, I doubt it because when you look at the risk management plan, it's now clearly acknowledged that um, myocarditis and pericarditis are important identified risks. So they can no longer say it's safe because they recognise that events have been reported, that we've had a number of people that have died. We're still waiting for the coroner's second part of their report on Rory Nairn's death. But this whole issue about informed consent when All of these people have been told it's safe and effective. They've never been told about the risks of myocarditis, and many New Zealanders have been threatened with coercion if they don't receive a vaccine that potentially could kill them or cause them serious harm. So, you know, there's just so many issues there. And I think the government, I mean, they've started to try to refuse answering my Official Information Act requests, claiming it's frivolous and vexatious, basically because my questions are too hard. Yeah. Um, I, I just think they've got nowhere to go anymore. And now they're, they're just saying, okay, <laughs> vehicle, we'll, we'll cut it. But gosh, it's, it's going it's, to, it's huge. Okay, so what could that mean then if if this this provisional consent finishes? We're in a weird um, uh, no man's land of kind of no government right now, and and we don't know how long that'll take to sort out. And November third is only a few days away as the crow flies. What does that mean then for people who have been injured, have been wanting um, to get uh, support? I guess ACC is the obvious one to mention. Does that potentially open the floodgates, does it? Well, look, I believe it does. I mean, I believe the floodgates have already been theoretically opened, that ACC is there for any treatment injury. And even the absence of informed consent is a treatment injury under the ACC Act. So if anybody was coerced or or got vaccinated without um, being warned about the risks, they've got a treatment injury. Um, They've obviously got to prove that some sort of causation, but but they should certainly be putting a claim into ACC and ACC should be given cover to these people. So there's potentially an enormous number of ACC claims. We know that there's already been some approved. There's lots sitting in the system. There are lots that are waiting for cardiologists. But, you know, all the myocarditis and pericarditis that followed the vaccine, I would have thought that that's a no-brainer, that that should get cover. But then we've got all the blood clot issues, all sorts of inflammation issues, all these other treatment injuries that also should be getting ACC cover. Can New Zealand afford this? Hell. 
Yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And one of the things I've been looking at is why shouldn't Pfizer pay? Because Pfizer knew. But, of course, um, Grant Robertson signed the indemnity back in, I think, October 2020, even before they had a vaccine, giving Pfizer indemnity for the new vaccine that hadn't even been approved yet. And then he signed another indemnity. It was about in, uh, I think, September, October 2021, giving them an indemnity when there was another batch coming to New Zealand or another another version coming to New Zealand. Um, but, you know, if there's fraud then that contract can't stand. Uh, I haven't seen enough of the information to know that, but there's certainly a lot of really big legal questions, which is why we need a proper inquiry with competent people, not with just people that are going to toe the government line. You know, this is the other thing I talked about yesterday. When we have an inquiry, what we should be having are the people that did see the red flags early and the people who did speak up early being actively involved in the inquiry because they're the people that the public of New Zealand need to hear from, the people that could see the problems, not the people that tried to cover everything up for three years. Well, if I was one of those people who, who tried to alert um, um, others to the problems, even behind the scenes, I'd be wanting to clear my bloody name pretty quick. Absolutely. All those internal whistleblowers, um, you know, and a lot of doctors and nurses in the hospitals. It's been a horrible, you know, I've talked to doctors that had to go into the toilets to talk about their concerns about the vaccine. They couldn't talk about it in public places. You know, the bullying and the abuse, the health and safety issues, there are so many issues. I've talked to doctors who say it's likely that um, on the, you know, the, the the continuum from hardly notice it right through to, you know, dying, that virtually everyone who's had that vaccine has had some sort of heart damage. Yeah, yeah, I've seen everyone. some of that research. I know that research is just shocking. I mean, I think the people that probably got a dud batch that's got, I mean, who knows? Hopefully some people will be okay. Well, that would be but- dodging a bullet. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but um, when you think about the scale of it and the New Zealand uh, uh, as a small country with um, hard financial times already, uh, th- this has to be handled so sensitively. Otherwise, it could literally blow up. I'm thinking. Uh- I agree. And also the risk, you know, all of the broken families and broken relationships where people were put under so much pressure to do something they didn't want to do or where one person in the family thought one thing and the other thought another and people lost their their marriages, they lost their homes, they lost their careers. A lot of students lost their future career. They'd got halfway through a degree, they got all the student loan and then they couldn't finish their practical work. They couldn't do the job. I mean, the horror stories go on and on and on and well we've got a massive problem ahead unraveling all of this um last point then um with this um provisional consent ending does that mean it will be what not legal to provide this vaccine to push well, it well doctors can give medication off label um so if if there's an approved medicine they can give it but Pfizer vax won't have any approval at all there, there are some medicines given without any approval at all in certain very limited circumstances, and that's what they did with um, oh, Remdesivir. 
Yep. The remdesivir never had any approval, and yet it was being funded by Pharmac and handed out through our hospitals, often without informed consent as well. And I think there are some real ethical questions with all of it's that another, too. That's another story. <laughs> it is. It's another huge story. Um, but basically, you would expect not to see the Pfizer Vax available in New Zealand after the 3rd of November, unless they pull another stunt on us at the last minute. Okay, well, we'll watch for that. Sue Gray, thanks for coming on and explaining all that. Thank you so much, Paul. It's my pleasure. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.